this illness. On Friday, Pope Francis led the universal church, the world, in prayer. He gave his special worldwide blessing that typically happens um, on Easter and Christmas and maybe on the day when he's installed as Pope. But this is a special occasion. This is a unique occasion. And it was odd and yet good. There was um, St. Peter's Square. It was at 6 o'clock Rome time. The city was covered in darkness. There was nobody there except for a couple camera people and police officers. And you see the Pope kind of walking out there, and it was in the middle of a rainstorm. And the commentary even mentioned, the commentator mentioned that he did not even want an umbrella. But he was choosing to go and face the storm and to face the difficulty and the darkness, just like everybody else. And in the midst of that prayer service, there was a reading and, and a homily, and then there was adoration. During adoration, there was a comment by an Italian woman named Lara Ugeni. And she said this, I never believed. I was always agnostic. Yet now I am here with tears, praying that all this will end. Lord, protect the people I love. I just want to be able to hug my family again. That here's this woman who is a self-proclaimed agnostic that never believed. But in the face of this illness, because of this difficulty, this tragedy that had come to her country and perhaps her family, that she turned to God. That in the face of fear of death, because of the love that she had, she turned to the God of love. And rightfully so, that our God of love is the one who has the power over death. We hear in our gospel today how Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And I'd like to kind of walk back in the story with you a little bit. Because we know how it ends, that, that Jesus raises Lazarus. Untie him and come out, you know. Um, let him go. And so, before, what happens? Before Jesus calls for Lazarus to come out of the tomb, he turns to the Father and he says, he turns to God and he says, I know that you always hear me. Like, Jesus knows what he's going to do. Jesus knows that he's going to raise his friend Lazarus. And yet he still takes the time, he turns to the Father with his prayer. He asks the Father for what he wants. Knowing the Father already knows, Father, you know what I want. But I'm praying so that people can hear, so that I can hear, so that I can be reminded that, that you are God. I need to be reminded that you are God. He still asks. We go back a step before that. They say to Jesus, come and see the tomb. And we have one of the shortest verses in Scripture. And Jesus wept. Jesus knows he's going to raise his friend from the dead. 
And yet he still chooses to enter into the sadness and suffering of the people. And he weeps with them. It is true that God knows what he's going to do through everything happening right now in our world. And yet he also chooses to be with us now in our sadness and suffering. And as we cry and weep, he chooses to be with us and weep also. He doesn't magically say, oh, everything's going to be better. It's okay. Just, just, it's okay. But he chooses to be with us in our sadness and suffering also. We go back a little earlier. Both Martha and Mary come out to Jesus and they say, Lord, if you had been here, our bro- my brother would not have died. Jesus knows he's going to raise him from the dead. He knows their sadness. And he doesn't shy away, but Jesus comes right to the people. That he goes directly to the place, to the, the difficulty and the suffering and the sadness and the cries, even the, even the anger that people have. That Jesus doesn't turn away from that. But he chooses to go there to want to hear that. And in the midst of, of that, that cry, of that frustration, Jesus speaks the truth of who he is. I am the resurrection and the life. We back up further. It says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's one of the first things we're told. Jesus loves Lazarus. And then it says he remained for two days where he was. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, I I thought you loved him. Why are you holding still? Why are you in a holding pattern? Why are you not doing something? that he remained for two days. Jesus, do you, do you not know what's going on here? Do you not know that Lazarus is ill and suffering and on the doorstep of death? And they, they say to Jesus, they're like, okay, if he's, if he's asleep, then he will awake. And if, he, if he's ill, he'll get better. And Jesus says very clearly, Lazarus has died. So I love him and I'm remaining here. Oh, you, you don't think he's dead? No, I know he's dead. And yet you stay here, quiet, silent, seeming like you're not doing anything. Do you not care that he's suffering? Jesus knows that he's going to raise him from the dead. He knows that people are going to experience sadness and suffering. Jesus knows he's going to go to them. And even in this place of setting up the whole story that he loves Lazarus, and he remains where he is for two days. Why is this? We're told before this, Jesus says, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus knows everything that's going to happen. And he knows that this illness is not going to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That Jesus knows what's going to happen. And he knows that this is not going to end in death. Now, Jesus, But Lazarus does die. But Jesus cares more about not physical death, but eternal death. What is Jesus saying here? That Jesus is the one who has power over life and physical death, but also over eternal life and eternal death. What is the death 
that we are afraid of? What is the illness that comes to us all? I mean, yes, we're all going to die, but the threat, the real threat that should concern us is death of sin, is from sin. That sin is the illness that we have to fear. And Jesus, God, is willing to do anything. He will do everything in order to save us from that eternal death of sin. That in a few days, a couple of weeks, we will walk with Jesus as he walks the hill to Calvary. That Jesus holds nothing back for our goodness. That he sees us suffering and he chooses to go to that place of suffering in order to free us from that. That we don't have to be afraid of any illness, of death ever again, because we know the one who's conquered death. And in him, we can have the freedom to overcome all sin and freedom. And so Jesus chooses, God chooses to work through illness in order to bring new life. It's been interesting to hear a lot of stories of families and people of what's happening in this time. Uh, People have sent Father Will and I different images of kind of their home prayer spaces where they have set up candles and and images and statues and, uh, yeah, and, and participating in Mass and other things. And there's people who ring the bells, they found some bells, you know, and ring the bells during the consecration, during the, the elevations, that, that families are coming together and praying. There's a, a, a woman I know who, um, she has been going through chemotherapy. And she said that, uh, she, because of that, she's in a place of, uh, she's more fragile, right? Um, her Im- immune system is compromised, that she can't be around other people or people who might be sick, because that would be devastating. And she said that every night, her son and his family call her on the phone, and they pray the rosary together. And the kids come up, and they say, hey, Grandma, we love you. And, and what's interesting is they weren't doing that a month ago. But it's through this time and through this illness that God is working to bring his people closer together. That God does not will illness and suffering. It's not part of his plan. But he allows it to happen because he can do something even better, even greater. Now, I don't know what that greater is, but I know that's what he does. I know that in that place of illness and suffering, I have that same invitation to turn to the Lord. And so from our illness, God wants to do something new and good and beautiful. You know, the whole reason that i am even been kind of self-quarantined, I'll, I'll tell you, I, it was uh, two weeks ago, and on Monday I got a call from somebody I had been with the Saturday before, and she said, uh, Father, I just want to let you know that I'm, I'm sick. And I don't know what kind of sickness it is, but I just want to let you know. <laughs> and I was like, Oh boy! Like this is, um, I was like, "Well, if she was sick, then she might have gotten me sick with something, and so I don't want to get other people sick, because you know priests priests interact with hundreds of people every week and you know shake a lot of hands, and I can't get sick and be passing it on to everybody." I was like, "Well, I need to go self quarantine. I need to go and just you know hunker down." And so I went to the rectory um, about 13 days ago, and. Um, it's been interesting because this year, this semester, I found myself really um, challenged to uh, 
stay healthy in the sense of prayer and exercise and sleep and healthy schedule. And something that's happened is in the last 13 days that I've been, you know, quarantined in the rectory is that Father Will and I have chanted morning prayer and evening prayer every day. That my holy hours have been stronger and extended more than ever. That it's led to this podcast and it's led to evening time with the priests each night where we, after we pray, we eat together and just have fellowship. And I look at this and I say, I was stressed and worried and, and just, I don't know, overwhelmed a month ago. And through this illness that's hit our culture and our society, that I have found myself in the healthiest priesthood in the last 12 years. That's what God wants to do in all of this. That he wants to work through this illness and all illness in order to bring new life and healing that only he can do. The priests are on the front line. There's, they announced on Friday that the first priest that they know of in America um, has passed away because of the coronavirus. It's a priest of Brooklyn, New York, uh, Father Jorge Ortiz Garay. Wasn't the oldest guy. He was, um, and, but he's, what, is, what does a priest do in the face of illness? Priests are the ones who go and offer the anointing of the sick. Priests are the ones who want to hear confessions, bring communion. That in Italy, over 60 priests have died because of the coronavirus. That the priests are not going to hold back, but the priests want to go and help people. And how much more so Jesus Christ shows us today in our gospel. He shows us on the cross that in the place of illness and death, Jesus does not hold back, but he goes straight to it in order to free us from it, to free us from the fear of death and suffering, and to be able to walk in the freedom and life that he offers us. I'd like to close with the last two stanzas of our psalm today. Psalm 130, which is our prayer, which is our heart. I trust in the Lord. My soul trusts in his word. More than sentinels wait for the dawn, let Israel wait for the Lord. For with the Lord is kindness, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all their iniquities.